0: Beloved congregation of the Lord, in Mark chapter 7, the opening verses, the Lord Jesus is having an issue with the Pharisees, or I should say they are having an issue with Jesus and His disciples. They see that the disciples begin to eat their meal without washing their hands, and we might say, well, that's kind of silly. You have to wash your hands before you eat, right? And, and it's true, and most likely the disciples did wash their hands, but they did not wash their hands the way the Pharisees prescribed. That was a very special hand washing. They would have to take a little cup of water, and, and they have to pour it over their hand so that the water ran all the way down to their elbow, and that they wait till it all dripped off before they could put that hand down. Otherwise, it would be... Co- Contaminated again. They had to do that with with both hands. And they thought and they taught that if you didn't do that, you defile yourself. If you have been to the marketplace and you accidentally rubbed up against somebody who was not a Jewish person, you you are polluted and you have to wash that. And and so symbolically they thought if, if we do that, we will be pure. They really believed that you would be defiled inwardly, spiritually. If you touched any food with unwashed hands, it would pollute you on the inside. Not just your belly, but your heart. Your soul would be unclean before the Lord, and and Jesus exposed them as hypocrites. He said, Isaiah spoke of you. He called you hypocrites. These people worship me with their lips, but their heart is far from me you make the word of God of none effect, he told them, delivering your traditions so that the word of God has no authority and instead they passed on their traditions to other people. And, and they would judge you severely like they did with Jesus and his disciples if you didn't do things exactly the way they did. Well, that, that's the context of, of our text this afternoon. That's, that's where we come now and what follows this. And our text is Mark 7, verse 14 to 23. And I'm not going to read that all again. I'll just read verse 15, which states where we're going. Verse 15 the Word of God says, There is nothing from outside of a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. So, a question we have this afternoon is What is it that defiles a person? What is it? And Jesus, in answer, has a lesson for all the people. And then he has a question for the disciples and an explanation for us. So first of all, what defiles a person? In answer, Jesus has a lesson for all the people. He's he's been speaking now only to the Pharisees and, and the scribes, and he's soundly rebuking them for honoring their elders' tradition more than they cared for the Bible, for the Scriptures. He's called them hypocrites to their face. And now he turns his attention to all the other people, The local people who've gathered around and and they overheard him addressing the Pharisees. And and those people looked up to the Pharisees. They considered those Pharisees the most holy, learned men. They were the teachers. What they said was held as truth. They were the most pious men. They knew the law. They knew the traditions. And, And when the normal people had questions, they would go to the Pharisees. And they would ask, for example, "Um, what does Rabbi Hillel teach about hand-washing? How would he have done it? Is that what he taught too, what, what you're teaching us? Well, Jesus talks to those people. Verse 14, when he had called the multitude to himself, when he had called all those people to himself. Now think about that for a moment. Jesus called the people to himself. Just in that you have words of amazing grace. Jesus calls sinful people to himself. Come, listen to me. See how that's happening here this afternoon too. Jesus is calling all of us sinful people to himself through the preaching of his word. And he calls us to himself for a very special purpose. He's got something to say to us. He said to them, hear me, everyone, and understand. So he wants us to hear him. That's a a wonder. He says to every one of us, from the youngest child here, you two, to the oldest one who's here, hear me and understand. No one of us is excluded from Christ's teaching this afternoon. Hear me, every one of you, he says, and understand. So there's two commands here. Hear me and understand. Hear who? Hear the preacher? No. Hear me, says Jesus. And who's supposed to hear? Every one of you. And what are we supposed to hear? What he has to say. Whatever Jesus says. So Jesus tells all those people gathered around him then, and all the people gathered around him here this afternoon, what the Pharisees taught you is not true. That's what he's going to tell them. The Pharisees say that those unclean foods and germs entering you pollute your soul. The Pharisees say, if you interact with anyone that's not of your own people, like a Gentile, you pollute your soul. That's why they washed their hands so often. They they thought those sparkling clean hands, that, that was a sign of having a clean soul. They thought that the things outside of you can defile your very soul. But Jesus says something different. There is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him. Jesus says, despite what the Pharisees are teaching you, here is the truth. There is absolutely nothing from outside of a person. Not certain foods, not certain types of dirt, not even if you accidentally rub up against the Gentile in the market, nothing from outside of you can pollute your soul. When Jesus uses that word defile, it means that to make you unclean. He's referring to the moral uncleanness that the Pharisees teach. And he says, nothing from outside of you, entering you, can defile you. And that was radical teaching for those people. All their lives they've been taught to have a clean soul, to have eternal life, And to keep that life, make sure you don't touch these things. Make sure you don't wear those kinds of clothing. Stay away from those people. Interact only with your own people, the Jews. Make make sure you don't handle those things. And if you do, make sure you wash your hands. According to the way the Pharisees have taught us, if you want eternal life... Don't be defiled by the things out there. But Jesus says just the opposite. He says, the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. Whatever's out there, even if it comes into you, can't defile you. What is outside of you cannot make your soul unclean before God. But it's what comes out of you that makes you unclean. And later, we'll see what what those things are that come out of a person. And then he says, If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. At the very beginning of, of verse 14, he says, Hear me, every one of you. And here he says again, that same word, Hear the good Lord gave us two good ears so that we can hear. We have a little granddaughter, very young, who just got hearing aids because they've discovered she couldn't hear all that well. And now she walks around the house and wherever she is, what's that sound? What's that noise? See, but most of us have really good ears and we don't need hearing aids yet. But see here, Jesus says, Everyone who has ears, let him hear. And I don't think there's anyone here who doesn't have ears. I'm sure we all have two ears. So Jesus is talking to us personally. Anyone who has ears, let him hear. What a blessing that is, isn't it? To have ears. God-given ears. With those ears, we hear Bible reading. With those ears, we hear Bible preaching and teaching. With those ears, we hear edifying conversations. And Jesus says, hear me and understand. So you see the importance of hearing. We will never understand what Jesus says if we're not hearing him. Faith comes by hearing, writes the Apostle Paul. Hearing what? Hearing the word of God and hear. We have Jesus' lesson for the people. He sums it up like this. There's nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him. But the things that come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. And then he has a question for the disciples. That's our second thought. But before he asked that question, they ask him a question. Verse 17, when he had entered the house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. According to Matthew, in the parallel passage to this, he says his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? The disciples could see it on the faces of the Pharisees. They're offended that Jesus would say this. And maybe they were, they were afraid that Jesus has really overstepped his boundaries here. They, they wanted to make sure they didn't offend anyone by, by saying certain things. But see, Jesus cared for those people, and he loved those people. didn't matter to him if the Pharisees were offended or not. Hypocrites are always offended when they are exposed by the truth. See, and Jesus is not concerned. To be politically correct. He just wants to be biblically accurate. Is that true for you and me too? Let's not be concerned about being politically correct in the the things we say, but let's always strive to be biblically accurate. His disciples here ask him to explain the parable to them. In the privacy of a home now, it's just, just his disciples. And they have a few questions about what Jesus has just said. But Jesus has several questions for his disciples who are gathered there around him, but also his disciples who are here this afternoon. And by disciples who are here, I mean the believers in this congregation. And the first question is a sharp one. It's a cutting question, and it comes to us too. Verse 18, so he said to them, Are you so without understanding also? Are you dull and senseless and foolish too, my disciples? You who are so close to me, who hear all my words, or are you in the same way as the Pharisees and the people without understanding? Are you so like those Pharisees? Aren't you, aren't you different than all the other people? Are you without understanding too? Do you not perceive? Did you not think it through? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him? And that tells us that the disciples had those same foolish thoughts as the Pharisees and the scribes. And they hadn't thought it through. Because the word perceive means to to comprehend something after carefully thinking it through. And Jesus here sounds discouraged and and disappointed with his disciples. My dear disciples, are you just like all the rest? Haven't you thought this through? Don't you get it that something from outside of a person, when it enters him, can't make his soul unclean? Don't you know why it can't pollute his heart? Don't you understand this, my dear disciples? It is, he says in verse 19, because it does not enter his heart, but his belly, his stomach. When you eat certain foods, they, they don't go to your heart. And, and in scriptures, we, we have two ways of using the word heart, right? It's one way is, is, is the, the organ that's beating here, pumping blood to every part of your body. And the other way is to think of your heart as your soul. And usually in Scripture, the word refers to your soul, that spiritual part of you. Whatever you put in your mouth, even with unclean hands, doesn't go to your spiritual heart. Doesn't even go to your physical heart. Jesus says it goes to your belly. And we say, well, we know this. But Jesus has to remind us. And he, he speaks here about the digestive system that he has created. Whatever you eat doesn't go to your heart, it goes to your belly. And, and I've created your stomach to take care of you, to process all that food. And your stomach takes all the good ingredients of the food you eat and, and processes everything that comes through it, all the vitamins and the nutrients and whatever makes you strong. He sends all that to, to your, your blood pump, your heart. And from there it goes to your muscles and to your bones, and anything that's waste goes out into the sewer system. It is eliminated, purifying all foods. That whole process cleans all foods. Now Jesus is not saying to go ahead and eat all kinds of unhealthy, poisonous foods, but just remember, whatever you put into your mouth to eat does not go to your heart. It goes to your to your stomach. Eating with unwashed hands is not going to to harm you spiritually. In summary, Jesus teaches the people, nothing from outside of you can make your heart or your soul unclean before God. And he asks his disciples, are you so foolish too? Don't you think this through? And he teaches his disciples why it is so. Because food doesn't enter your heart, it goes to your belly, and your stomach will take care that that the unclean part is expelled. What defiles a person? Jesus had had a lesson for all the people, and now a question for his disciples, and thirdly, an explanation for us. Remember, he's, he's called us to himself this afternoon. Come to me all of you, and and hear me. He said, verse 20, what comes out of a man? That defiles a man. That's the second time. He said it in verse 15 too, when he's addressing all the people. These are the things that defile a man. And notice the emphasis. That defiles the man. Not what goes into him, but what comes out of him. And now Jesus will explain it with a very important lesson to us. And, and it was a shocking revelation to the people who, who sat there with him that day, but it's a shocking revelation to us too. And it's not a pleasant message that Jesus brought there, but it's oh so honest. That's what the gospel is, right? It's honest. He says in verse 21, For, for from within... From inside, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts. From inside of us, out of our hearts, proceed or come forth evil thoughts. So, you ever wonder, what is it that that comes from, from out of my heart that could come out of there? And for it, in order for it to come out, it has to be in there first, right? You, it can't come out if it's not in there. Whatever comes out of your heart. And, and Jesus is not talking about your blood pump. He's talking about your soul, your thought life, your emotions, your will, your spiritual part. Not the physical part, but your soul, not your body. Whatever comes from inside of you and me. What is it that comes out of our hearts? And the first thing Jesus mentions is evil thoughts. Think of evil schemes, wicked designs. Our thoughts are... In our thoughts, we're talking to ourselves, right? We're we're saying things to ourselves with words in in our heads, and, and that's what thinking is. And Jesus says, in your heart and in my heart, these thoughts are evil. That's the opposite of good evil thoughts, bad deliberations. And and remember that all sin begins in the mind, in your private thoughts. And those inner evil deliberations give rise to actions. And beloved, evil thoughts never result in good, upright actions. They always result in sinful words and sinful acts. And Jesus presents a list for us here of those evils that originate in our thoughts. These are the words of Jesus, the all-knowing Jesus. Evil thoughts, adulteries, he says. Adulteries. That lives in our hearts. Adulteries are violations of the marriage vows. And notice that the word is in plural. Not adultery, but adulteries, because there's so many ways to defile the marriage bed. Any sexual relations with someone who is not your spouse defiles the marriage bed. Our forefathers taught that if you desert or abuse your spouse, that is adultery. The Dutch word for, for adultery means breaking a marriage. Breaking a marriage. That's what lives in our hearts. Fornications. And again, it's plural. Not fornication, but fornications. So many different ways to commit fornication. Unmarried people in sexual relations, any premarital sex, any sexual activity outside of the marriage. That includes using pornography. Because the word fornication comes from the Greek word from which we get our word pornography. Pictures and movies of of naked people. Homosexual acts. Any perversion of God's intentions with sex. Fornication is closely related to adultery. There's there's some overlap there. but, But notice with me that Jesus says, this is what lives in your heart and in my heart. Out of the heart These things come. Murders. And again, it's plural. There's so many ways to to murder one of God's image bearers. Thou shalt not kill means thou shalt not murder. Where does that originate? In our hearts, in our thoughts. And Jesus says that murder includes the causes of murder. Anger and hatred and envy. Catechism says he counts that all as murder. And thefts, thefts, again, plural. There are many ways that we are thieves. It all comes out of our hearts. It all lives in our thoughts, and it comes into action when we go shoplifting, or if somebody commits armed robbery. We can be thieves when, when we are loafing around on the job stealing from our boss. We can commit theft when we are squandering God's time. We can commit theft from the government, cheating on our tax return. We can commit theft from the church, withholding our tithes and free will offerings. Thefts. What a list, isn't it? And Jesus says all of that lives in, inside of you and inside of me. Adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness. That's the next one. And that's a sin that begins in our thoughts, too. How often, isn't it true, we are looking so longingly at what does not belong to us? And the advertisers know it, don't they? They'll put it before us so temptingly. If only you could drive this truck, then you would be happy. Or if only you use this kind of makeup, you will be so beautiful and you will be happy. And the devil puts thoughts in our minds. It's just not fair that that others have so much and I have so little. And Jesus uses now the word wickedness. And it's really a summary of of the sins that are already mentioned. Evil inventions and purposes and desires just like evil thoughts. Those of you who were at Berechiah Youth Camp, think of the prodigal son. Yeah, the prodigal son. What was living in his heart that came out once he he was out there? Adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness. And the list continues. Jesus presents our hearts this afternoon as a fountain of evil. Deceit, he says. That's next. How many lies are nurtured in our thoughts. And oh, how quickly they come out. So easily at times. Deliberately deceiving someone else for my own gain. Even little white lies, if there there could be such a thing. And gossip. Putting ourselves in a good light to make someone else look bad. And he says lasciviousness, which is an old English word for shamelessness. Shamelessness, lack of self-control. This is a person with with twisted impulses, a sinful drive, and it begins in our thoughts and it flows into our actions in so many different ways. And Jesus says, there's an evil eye that lives inside of you. And it's when we look at others sometimes with, with fierce displeasure and envy, This is what caused Cain to murder his brother Abel. It's the complete opposite of love. Sometimes we say to people, you know, if looks could kill, I would be dead right now. That's that evil eye. And there's blasphemy, says Jesus. And blasphemy is abusive speech against God or even against other human beings saying evil things about God or saying untruth or slander about our neighbor. And then there's pride. These days when we hear the word pride, our mind right away goes somewhere, doesn't it? Pride parade, pride month, whatever. But let's not look outside there for pride. Let's look right here because pride is a universal sin. Pride lives in my heart and in your heart. Pride is is when I think I'm better than that person. I'm more able than that person. It's a universal trait of human beings. Pride. Pride against God. Pride against others. Whenever we we think of another person doing certain things and, and our mind says, I would never do that. Not me. That's pride. Whenever we think of ourselves as more important than others, oh, pride is universal. And there's foolishness, says Jesus. Foolishness. And, and just like, like the word wickedness that he used summed up all the sins of the prodigal son, the adulteries and the fornications and the murders and the thefts and the covetousness, so the word foolishness sums up all the sins of the older brother. Deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, and pride. And Jesus states a universal truth in these verses. This is true for every human being. All these evil things, he says in verse 23, come from within, from inside, and defile a man and a woman and a boy and a girl. And in Jesus' estimation, all these things are evil. None of them are good. And all these things live in us. Don't ever think that you're not capable of the sins that other people commit. The root of that sin is in me. And it's in you. They come from inside of our hearts. And that's what pollutes us. That's what makes our hearts unclean. If you've been thinking during this time and listening to this list of sins, if you've been thinking of somebody else all this time, you're thinking of the wrong person. Because Jesus is describing my heart and your heart. Our hearts. You can sum this up. You know, earlier in the chapter, Jesus begins with, calling the Pharisees hypocrites. And now he ends here by telling us that all our hearts are factories of evil. John Calvin said our hearts are idol factories, constantly churning out new idols. And our heart says Jesus bring forth nothing but wickedness. All these things come out. That means they're already in here. You think about that, then it's not when you look at someone with lust in your eyes that 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 person is defiling you. No, that fornication is already in your heart and it comes out and defiles you. It's not when when you take that money that doesn't belong to you that that money defiles you. No, that theft is already in your heart and mind and it comes out and defiles us. It's not when when we deliberately hurt someone or get angry that that person has defiled us. No, Jesus says murder is in our hearts already. And we are defiled when it comes out. Our hearts are fountains of iniquity. Our hearts are cesspools of sin. This is where the text ends. All these evil things come within, from within, and defile the man. And things don't look so good for us, do they? As a matter of fact, if we were to just go home now, we'd have to go home in despair and hopelessness. Because if all that lives in here, and it so easily comes out, and we know that God requires perfection from us. He says in the Old and in the New Testament, be ye holy as I am holy. We were created in God's image, perfect, holy, pure. But now, according to Jesus' lists, we are unholy, imperfect, impure. The psalmist who wrote Psalm 130 said it so well. If thou, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? If the Lord would wa- mark all of your and my iniquities, and he does, he knows it all better than we do, who then could stand before him? And the obvious answer is, no one. See, then it's it's hopeless for us, isn't it? It is. From our side, completely hopeless. If, as Isaiah says, even our righteousnesses are as filthy rags before God, then we end in despair. But I read to you Psalm 130 verse 3. If thou, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Let's see in verse 4, the psalmist brings the gospel, and he says, but with thee there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Yes, it's true. You and I are 100% defiled, but it's also true that with the Lord, there is 100% forgiveness for all these sins that Jesus has just listed for us. With thee there is forgiveness that thou mayest be feared. Speaking of the fear of the Lord, not, not trembling fear of punishment, but, but the fear that is, that is reverence and awe for such a God that he could even speak of mercy and forgiveness to such sinful people as we are, all of us. And, and he doesn't just talk about it. How can, how can we receive this forgiveness? Can we? Yes, we can. First John 1 verse 9, If we confess our sins, then he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How can a righteous, holy God do that? The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all our sins. When we realize how true this is, what what Jesus has told us, and that sinks in and it comes home. And there are just a few things we have to say. I am sorry. I was wrong. Please, forgive me. And here's how, how God can do that. He's how he can forgive. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. We, we are completely polluted. We can't clean our own hearts. Don't even try. It's just like the water at Jericho. There's only one way that it can be cleared. Our, our hearts are a fountain of evil thoughts and words and deeds, a fountain of death. But the gospel of Christ speaks of another fountain. Zechariah 13, verse 1. There shall be a fountain opened for sin and for uncleanness. And that fountain of Christ's sin-cleansing blood has been opened. It's an ever-flowing, overflowing fountain of Christ's precious, life-giving blood. Well, we lived in Chilliwack years ago. They built a new library. Some of you will know what I'm talking about. And, And when they... When they built it, they they put a fountain in front of it. And and we took one of our little girls to the library one day, and then we walked past that fountain, and and all of a sudden she stopped, and, and she just looked at that fountain, and she said, and again, and again, and again, and again. She couldn't get over it that that water just keeps on coming. And that's just a water fountain that a man built. Now think of the fountain, the fountain of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The psalmist wrote, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light we shall see light. And whose light is that? <laughs> Only the Lord Jesus Christ can say, I am the light. Part of Christ's gospel is to tell us honestly who We are. And and Jesus has done that this afternoon, right? He's he's called us all to come and listen to him. And and he's told us what, what lives in our hearts. And when it comes out, it defiles us. But that same Jesus, whose gospel teaches us our hopeless condition in ourselves, that same Jesus directs us to himself for the solution. I am He says, the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end, and I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Let us then bring the burden of our thirsty, evil hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. plead on this promise. Lord Jesus, you said it. When we are thirsty, you will give us the water of the fountain of life freely. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, again for the second time today we have heard of a fountain. This morning the the fountain, the spring in Jericho, which you healed. I have healed these waters," you said. "And now this afternoon, we've heard of the fountain of iniquity that, that is our soul, our hearts, and out of our hearts come evil thoughts and all these other sins. Are, Lord, we know they're in there. We're no better than anyone else. Were it not, O oh Lord, for your, your restraining hand on us, we would burst forth into all these sins openly. But, Lord, we have also heard of this glorious fountain, a fountain open for sin and for iniquity, that fountain of the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, we pray that your people here this afternoon may be encouraged to look again to Christ Jesus, to to acknowledge honestly, yes, Lord, all of this lives in my heart too, and yet I come to your fountain. Your fountain that is much stronger than the fountain of my heart. Your fountain that alone can purify such a wickedness as lives in me. Lord, bless our children too. We pray, Lord, that even with childlike faith they may come, even now, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And say to you, O Lord, I'm so sorry. So sorry that I've sinned again. I was wrong, Lord. Please, please forgive me. Grant that by faith, Lord, we may hear your response. I forgive you through the precious blood of my beloved Son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.